who was that wonderful guy he was talking about? <laughs> I didn't recognize him. Uh, I think I know him better than that. But uh, thank you for the privilege uh, to come here and to share with you this morning. Uh, I was here the first Sunday of January this year and the last Sunday of January uh, of December. Uh, so how has your year been this year? Has it been a good year? Uh, yeah, for some of us good, but for all of us probably some things in the year are good and some disappointments. Sometimes we laugh and sometimes we may cry for things that happen to us in our life. Uh, we all experience what we think are good things and bad things. And so did Paul. Uh, Paul experienced many things in his life. And today we want to look at uh, Philippians chapter 4. So I want to read this quickly. And if you have your Bibles with you, please open them. Because I always feel it's important. Don't just listen to a person speaking. Uh, Look at the Word of God and hear God speaking to you. And we trust that God would speak to us today. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 to 20. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. And now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, I have a question to ask you then. Looking back on the year and considering your life, are you content? Yeah, some of us, yes. Others, not sure if we're content or not. Uh, To be content means to be happy and satisfied. We can never be happy and satisfied with the state of the world in which we live. There's too much trouble. There's too much evil. For a Christian to be content with the state of the world in which we live means that there's something wrong with that Christian. We cannot be content with the circumstances and what we see around us. But Paul is talking about being content 
in what God has allowed to come into your life. And being content in the fact that He is with us and He has deemed it right to allow these various circumstances and situations to come to us. We might say, well, I've had some difficulties in my life this year. Some things that have really caused my heart to ache. How can I be content in that? Paul says that he is content in all circumstances. Look at uh, verse 11. He says here at the end of it, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. A lot of people's contentment is, relies upon their circumstances. But circumstances always change. Our health changes. Our family situations change. Our work may suddenly change. Our financial situation may change. Change is all around us all the time. And if our contentment is anchored in changing circumstances, we have a very fragile basis to be content. And that is not what Paul's talking about here. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. In verse 12 he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now listen to this. Whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. Paul has learned the secret of being content even when he was hungry. Even when apparently it seemed as if God did not supply his needs. When he was in want. When he wrote this letter, he was sitting in prison in Rome. Would you be content? Say, when I get out of prison I'd be content. But yeah, he's sitting in prison. With no friends around him, with no support around him. How can he be content? Is he just putting it on, saying... It doesn't matter what happens, that's my fate. No. There's something deeper that he's talking about here. You know, we are bombarded every day through TV, radio, internet, newspapers, magazines. You need this to make your life more happy, to make you more content. If you get this, if you do that, if you go there, if you buy this, you'll become more happy, more content, more satisfied. This is the message that hits us Christians as well, every single day. If only my hair was this color or that, if only I could afford this or that, if only I had more of this or that, then I will be content. No. You get that and over the hill, contentment always seems to be just a bit further on. And Paul didn't have any of that, and yet he could say, I have learned the secret of being content. What is the secret that he learned? I want to know, don't you? This is a brother who has gone before us and experienced greater stress and difficulties and disappointments than we might ever experience in our lives. And yet he could say, towards the end of his life, I have learned the secret of being content. He was whipped, slapped around, put in prison, shipwrecked, beaten, 
left us dead, many different things when you think about Paul. And yet he writes and says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. I want to hear from a person like that. A person who's not talking theory, but person who is talking from practical experience. So what is it? What is the secret that he learned? And I'd like to say, first of all, you know, when we read this passage here, it doesn't jump out at us. In fact, my experience has been, as you read the Bible, you can read the Bible and and take it as knowledge only. But as you read the Bible, God's Word, as we pray over it, as we read, and as we meditate upon it, then the Word of God comes alive to us and God gives us things that we don't see at first. And so, that's why I say again, that as you listen to a person speaking, open the word of God and look at what God is saying and pray in your heart that God would speak to you, that you would hear His voice and not just a person's voice. There's three points, I think, that jump out or that come out of this passage to me anyway. And have a look at this and see what you think. In verse 10 and 14 to 18, it seems as if Paul is saying that his contentment is based on the kindness of fellow believers. You know, fellow believers, uh, we can encourage one another greatly. Paul was encouraged in prison because he says here, right in verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to share it or to show it. And then if you look at verses 14 through to 18, we see that they sent him, the the people, the Christians in Philippi, they sent him a gift. We don't know what the gift is, it doesn't say. But Paul received this gift from uh, Epaphroditus from Philippi. And so, whatever that gift was, whether it's books, food, or money, or clothes, or letters, we don't know. But Paul was very grateful. I think not so much for the gift itself, but for the fact that brothers and sisters in a church far away remembered him and sent him a gift out of their concern and out of their love for Paul. And he was greatly encouraged by this. You know, to be loved by someone to be considered by someone, to give someone a present, to say thank you. Uh, The present might be very small, but it's the thought and it's the attitude that goes with that gift to you that warms your heart. Paul was greatly encouraged by the fact that brothers and sisters remembered him and, uh, and he felt that love through those gifts. We ourselves, right here, we have opportunity not only to be united together, but to encourage one another in our daily walk with the Lord. You know, as we meet one another, as we greet one another, as we shake hands, as we hug each other and so on, to say, it's good to see you. Thank you for being faithful in coming to the church. We encourage one another even just through a smile, even just talking with each other. We can encourage one another in the Lord. We don't know, the people around us, what difficulties they're going through. And just to have someone reach out to them in friendship and in love can encourage one another. And we ourselves 
can be encouraged as well. Paul was encouraged by this. You know, I heard of a church recently where uh, some ladies in the church with young children, young mothers, went onto the internet, voiceofthemartyrs.ca or .com, and found names of Christians who were in prison, who are in prison. Uh, one was a pastor actually in Iran. And these ladies, with the young kids playing on the floor and so on, they got together one afternoon and they all wrote letters, short letters. They got the addresses from Voice of the Martyrs and sent these letters off to various Christians throughout the world who are imprisoned for their faith. There are many Christians who are persecuted. You can go onto the internet and just look up persecuted church or persecuted Christians on Google and see, get the information there. And these, these mothers, they said, let's encourage fellow Christians, people in prison. And they sent letters to uh, these prisoners. When I first heard the story, I thought probably the government of those uh, people would not give those letters, not allow those letters to come to them. But you know, even evil governments opposed to Christianity, they want to put on a good face to the rest of the world and pretend that they have freedom of religion. So these letters did reach some of these men and women in prison for their faith, for being Christian. And replies came back saying how much they were encouraged. And I just thought, you know, just, just a morning, just an afternoon, just a little bit of effort, we can encourage one another so much. And Paul was encouraged by people taking the trouble to write to him, to bring him a gift. Another church, maybe you have this in your church too, that Christians are given the names of people within their particular group, whether it's young people or the ladies meet group or the men's group, whatever it is. Given names of other people so that every day someone is praying for you. Hopefully they're remembering and hopefully you remember to pray for them as well. But to think that your name, that you are being remembered before God by somebody else praying for you is a tremendous encouragement. And you can be an encouragement to that other person by praying for them as well. We need each other. And we can encourage each other. And Paul felt this encouragement of fellow believers. So, was this the secret that he was talking about? The kindness and the thoughtfulness and the love of fellow Christians? I think it's part of it, but it doesn't seem to be the full story. There seems to be more in this passage than just the kindness and love of fellow believers. There's much more here. So let's look a bit deeper into this and see. Look at verse 19. The second point that comes out to me is that Paul was dependent upon God. Paul was dependent upon God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches, he says. My God will meet all your needs just as he has met my needs. That's what he's saying. So Paul is dependent upon God for his contentment, for his satisfaction. You know, fellow believers may disappoint you, may fail you, they may forget about you. We may disappoint other Christians as well. We may not remember to pray for them. We may not remember to be Christian as we should be. 
to them as our brothers and sisters. We may fail other people. I may fail you, you may fail me. But God will never fail us. And Paul knew this. And he's, he was fully dependent upon God. Of course, God working through believers encouraged him. But more especially, he was dependent upon God. He learned that he could depend upon God. God would never fail him nor disappoint him. And so Paul wrote and said, My God will meet all your needs. All your needs, not some of your needs, all your needs. I've experienced that. I've found it to be true. I know he loves you just as much as he loves me. My God, your God, will meet your needs as well. Paul totally accepted the fact that God is God. You know, even though he wrote this, my God will meet all your needs, yet at the same time, he says in verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, in plenty or in want. So there were times when Paul felt hungry, And he felt he needed something and it wasn't supplied to him. So then how can he say in verse 19, My God will meet all your needs when he himself is acknowledging not all my needs seem to have been met. And I'm sure Satan was very close by saying to him, Ha ha, you thought that God was going to keep you out of prison. You thought maybe that while you were going through this difficult time, that you would have the comfort of God. But look, God has forgotten about you. All your friends are out there, running around, doing their thing, and you are in jail. He has forgotten about you. You're not as important as you think you are. You are not really loved as much as you thought you were. Paul knew that was not true. That was the devil coming at the time of temptation to to try and pull him away. But but Paul's dependency was anchored in God. He knew that God is God. And if God allowed this certain difficulty to come to his way, that God had a plan and a purpose to benefit Paul, to bless Paul and to encourage him. And through that, to encourage us as well. As we read this passage here today in Vancouver, We ourselves can be encouraged by Paul's testimony of God's provision for him. Paul allowed God to dictate and not to say, God, I thought that if I trusted you, that you would give me a path of ease, of joy, of contentment, of happiness, whatever. And now look at me. Paul did not say that. We are tempted to say that. I remember one time uh, after um, my wife and I had been in Japan working and we came back to Canada and we were here for seven years. We felt that the Lord was calling us to go back to Japan again once our children were settled in Vancouver. Uh, But we couldn't see how that God would supply the financial needs for us to go back. Our support had dropped down to about 30%. And you need 100% to go and to work. And we couldn't see how God could supply. I remember one time actually getting a little bit irritated and saying, Lord, 
if you have really called us to go to Japan as missionaries, then you have to supply the money for us to go. We don't know how we can do this. And, and if you don't supply the money, Lord, then, then maybe we shouldn't go. <laughs> Almost, you know, not a very nice way of thinking and of being Christian. Well, God does forgive and God does know the weakness of our faith at times. And so we continue to look to the Lord and to trust Him. And you know, when the, the time came that the Lord did supply 100%, I'm reminded by that verse when Moses almost, Moses did doubt whether the children could leave Egypt. And God said to him, When you worship me on the mountain, then you will know that I am the one who has delivered you. And that verse came to my wife especially, who said, When you are back in Japan, worshiping me there, in the church in Japan, then you will know fully and understand fully, I am the one who will supply your needs. And I remember that coming to us. We left Vancouver, went back to Japan again, and we're worshiping the church, leading the church there. And while we were worshiping, this thought came to me. Now that you are back, you know that I am the one who has supplied. And it's true. God does not fail. He supplies the needs that we have. And He knows the needs that we have. You know, in the 40 years that we've been missionaries with OMF, there have been times of difficulty. There's been times of stress. Not only uh, physical and so on, but uh, emotional stress as well. And financial stress too. I remember one time where we were uh, waiting for news of how much finances were coming and uh, the mission office said, I'm sorry, for the next three months there's just enough food for, just enough money for food and for rent and limited amount of light water and, and so on. Uh, but no personal money. And this was the month, uh, this was the last three months of the year, Christmas time. And so I thought, what do I do? I've got two boys, I want to buy them a Christmas present. There wasn't too much cash left. And so I walked down the road and I came to the second hand store and I looked inside and I saw two pictures of steam locomotives. And they cost like three dollars each or something. It was very, not very much. I went and bought them. Those were the Christmas presents I gave to my boys uh, that year. And you know, of all the Christmas presents that I've ever given them, I think those two were the most precious gifts that I ever gave them. Because, you know, even when we left Japan, they were about five and six at that time. When we left Japan, my two, two boys at that time were 17 and 15. They brought those two steam locomotive pictures with them. I mounted them on a board, put the little screws at the back and nylon thread, when we lived in Richmond, above their bed, they each had that steam locomotive picture. That was the, the least expensive present I think I ever bought them. But the one that, that they treasured the most, and I, even today, think, that was the best present that I gave them for Christmas. A picture that they really designed. Now, God has a way of working and doing things that, that it's incredible. We defies our imagination that God works things out always for good. Well, we must move on. But just to say that Paul 
was dependent upon God and not upon people. But there's more than that. There's more than that in this thing, in this passage here, because he says in verse 13, and the the team sang it for us just now. It was really beautiful. Those, that songs that you were singing that we joined together. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. That Him is Jesus. I can do everything through Jesus who gives me strength. Jesus is God. Paul is dependent upon God, but now it seems as if he's centering the focus more on Jesus himself. Because in verse 19 he also says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that he was in Jesus that Jesus was with him, that Jesus is in him by his Holy Spirit. Paul was absolutely convinced of that fact. And that's why he was content. When he was in jail in Rome, when he was going through difficulties, when he was suffering want, when he was hungry, when he faced these difficulties, he knew without doubt, even though Satan was whispering lies in his ears, Paul knew God is trustworthy. Jesus is with me. He is with me going through this experience. He went through difficulties. He went through suffering. I, as his servant, as his follower, as his disciple, I am privileged in some measure to experience the same or similar suffering that my Lord, my God, my Savior has experienced. What can be closer than that? What can bring you closer to someone that you've shared an experience with. If you share something with somebody, you both go through the same experience, that brings you really close together. And Paul knew this, and he was content. Lord, if you allow this to come to me, you have a plan for me, you are with me right here, you will give me the strength. I am waiting to see what you are doing. I am content, Lord that you have allowed this in your wisdom to come to me. What is your purpose for it? Help me. Help me to stand firm and to glorify you. Paul knew that through all the difficulties of life that Jesus would be enough for him. You know, our daughter, when she got baptized, she chose this uh, verse, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And there's been times in her life in her marriage, in this family situation, and so on, when there's been tough experiences. And we've reminded her, Karen, remember, Jesus said that you can do all things through him because he will give you the strength, even though it's tough. It is tough. Hang in there. Trust him. He will never leave you. He will never disappoint you. Jesus is with you. And if you have this knowledge with you, you can be content. This is a wonderful verse. One lady, a Christian lady, an elderly person said, When I face difficulties, I remind myself of this. For this too, I have Jesus. Not just for the good times, but for the difficult times as well. For this too, I have Jesus with me. So just to recap quickly here, Paul's contentment was helped by the love and the kindness of believers. 
But his contentment was focused on God, the only God, the true God, the one who would never leave or disappoint him. And this God would supply all that Paul needed. But more so than that, our God, Paul's God, had come close to him in Jesus Christ. And this is what God is to us. He comes close to us through his Spirit, through Christ Jesus, who is always with us. This is where Paul's contentment lay. And this is where our contentment lies as well. And we must be careful as Christians, as we live our lives, not to look around us and see other people who may be uh, more wealthy, who drive better class, who look better, more handsome, more pretty, whatever it is. We must not compare ourselves with others and wish that we had what they have. No. God loves each of us and gives us that which we need for ourselves, but also maybe to demonstrate God's goodness and His greatness and His strength and His faithfulness through you to others as well. That they too might say, I want to have what you have. I want to be content. How come you are content and you have a chance to share with them because of Jesus? So this new year as you go into it and as we look back on the old year of the experiences we've had, Let's thank God for the good things as well as for what we feel are the bad things that God has allowed to come to us and to trust Him as we go into the new year. What happens? Who knows? God knows. And to be content in the fact that because He loves us, He cares for us, we can put our hands in Him and walk boldly, contentedly with Him as we go into the new year. May God bless you and help you and help me to be contented Christians because of Jesus. Amen.